At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Wayne's World. There it is. And we are. We did it. Oh, my God, dude. Can you believe we made it this far? You're finally opened up. You opened awesome. up before Canada, man. It's crazy. If I just stayed in California, I I could, you know. But what was weird is when you were in California, <laughs> you were you were actually feeling like the the bits of the draconian lockdown that we were feeling, right? Like we both felt it because yeah. you, you were up north, yeah. uh, and and when we came down and hung out, it was almost like sacrilegious that we could even hang out and talk, right? But, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, but it was good. Yeah, it was. It's good that we got together a few times for sure. Definitely. Um, it's too. It's like you know, people hanging out here, but we're not supposed to um, go to houses yet. But I think things are changing. We'll see till round two, right? We'll see. Or I mean, three or four. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, you never know. Like, like for example, in our manufacturing, we've got factories in Malaysia that are now locked down. Um, so different countries are feeling it at different times. Yeah, just whatever you do on this episode tonight, don't say Taiwan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, don't, 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 because Taiwan doesn't exist. <laughs> Taiwan is like heaven. It's a place in your mind. You go there. Utopia. You... Utopia. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, hey, what's new in, uh, in the library collection? New with the library collection, uh, we've got a few new volumes uh, that came in recently. Uh, I finally got Jack Grail's Hecate on, which was amazing. Oh, you did? Yeah. What did you pay for that? You know what? Like there was a, no, no. Here's the thing is that many people are stuck on those first original printings and they did another reprinting. In fact, I'm sure oh, it's still around. I didn't right notice. Now. I didn't yeah. notice. I know they just did for Clavis Goetica for Frater Actors thing. Yes. That's another... Yeah. interesting title 
I also read uh, today, I read Daniel Harms review of it, which is actually really interesting because Daniel Harms did the book of Oberon with uh, Skinner. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Harms, Harms did a review of the Goetica. And uh, basically he, he, he criticizes a little bit of the myth making um, and some of the technical categorization of things. But other than that, he, he, he thought it was a good book. And it includes a new translation of a old manuscript, I believe from German at the Magical Library at Leipzig, which is where I was, of course, uh, just a couple of years ago, for some reason. Um, and it was an amazing manuscript. And it's like written such a crazy handwriting that, yeah, I couldn't barely make out a few words. So good, good thing for someone to translate. Yeah, no, Frater. Archer is on fire, man. Archer is he's, he's Frater Acher. Frater Acher, thank you. Has been producing things left and right. I mean, he just also launched uh, Rosicrucian Magic. He's still doing his Queria thing. As I just well. got that. Yeah, I mean, amazing text, and he's been collaborating with one of my favorite artists. Um, uh, Second of Nature is one of his favorite books, or one of my favorite books. I'm sorry, which was. Um, I'll have to bring oh, Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel Jose. Yeah. Amazing artist and uh, perfect combination. Do, he's the same guy who did the new Pussifer album art. Yes. Right? And that's yeah, what's so I talked cool. To him briefly. Yeah. I talked to him. He he said he doesn't have a he doesn't have a voice. He, his art isn't in talking on a podcast. I was like, fucking fair enough, man. I love your art. I I've got one I ordered one of his stickers of the album from Pussifer.com just so that I could put it on one of my notebooks. I mean, of all artists right now in the equality, I'm a total fanboy. It's my, like, my favorite. They've got great stickers. Like in Canada, it was just like three bucks for the sticker and then 23 for shipping. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it sort of was. I got a hat too. No, and that's, that's another funny point too, is that uh, the, even the most esoteric of, of artists are getting out there. I mean, because the pandemic opened everything up. I read an article the other day that during the pandemic, spirituality like soared to an all-time high. And you, like you just mentioned, how much did you pay for Hecateon? It's kind of funny. I've seen like every book in my library just like score in, val in, in, in value. And it's interesting. Yeah, you, you dude, you well, well, as you know, I, was, I just actually sent um, uh, a Canadian who's stuck in sort of Oregon um, Saturn Creatrix. I uh, just sent her the links to the three hours of us pouring over your video library. Well, we're sort of hammered. Um, mm -hmm. Totally. Because uh, they're <laughs> hidden on the IGTVs of my Esoteric Ebooks Instagram and my FredRC Instagram. They're buried there, but they are there and they're, they're good stuff because like you really, we really looked at your library intensely and that was for three hours while talking shit. So it, it didn't um, even get through like all of it, right? <laughs> oh, God, no. It was taking days, days. Um, we definitely didn't have enough time to uh, study and do ritual work, let alone music together. But that was the nature of the game down in COVID Fornia. Yeah, I mean the timing was like is a lifetime kind of funny. ago. But it'll be soon. We'll be hanging out. We'll play some music and it'll resume happen, where man. we left off. It'll happen, man. Yeah. So you did unload. You had a couple duplicates of some things that shot up way in value, and you unloaded them. Which were, which were they? You know, the only thing I let go in the whole library was the john d2 volume that was done by the Luan. kevin klein that's what yeah. i want it's a beautiful I volume hardcover i have i have plenty of copies of them and when i when i brought it up to uh, larry over at miskatonic books 
he was like, I want it and I don't want it to sell it. I want it for my personal library. So I gave him a killer deal on, uh, deal on it because I figured it was just perfect. That's nice of you. Good for yeah, you. no, totally. I mean, and, and who wants to deal with just, you know, random folks selling books unless that's your business. And I think that uh, Larry does such an awesome job. Um, along yeah. with one, one of my other favorites is Anathema Publishing. Yeah. And they're yeah. on fire well, right now. Oh, I haven't. What, what, did they, what did they just do? Okay, so um, did they he, just was already, do, um, he was already working set. with like Shani Oates and a lot of the other um, awesome uh, Sabbatic. Are they doing Sam Davis's new book? I'm not sure about that, but he just did no. a whole new pre-order. I think it's coming out next week, The Mesopotamian Mysteries. Um, but what's cool about him is that he also sells Jose uh, Gabriel's artwork um, in prints. He also works with my, my Haitian friend, Leslie, uh, amazing artist out there that runs a school. Uh, but on top of that, he just brought on Black Letter Press as a distributor. Um, he also brought on uh, a bunch of like um, black metal um, CDs. So they kind of match up with um, some of the work. So he's, he's actually bringing something to the table, I think, that is different than a lot of uh, cult publishers out there. Hmm. You know, selling, you can get a black metal CD with artwork, and then you can buy different books from him. So he's definitely coming at it with a different angle, and they seem to be growing uh, quite largely, despite the pandemic setbacks. Yeah, yeah. So spirituality yeah how many online psychics and tarot readers are there now jeez it's crazy like i mean yeah it makes me actually not want to speak <clears throat> up as much you know what i mean because there's become this whole thing and it, it, it doesn't even sit just in our uh, category of esotericism and stuff i mean there are popular there are whole folks that just live life through a camera you know what i mean and they're making millions of dollars in the last uh, year and a half because everyone's been stuck at home. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to see all these new people Dude, popping up. And see if you and I lived together during pandemic, all we would have needed was your inflatable swimming pool, which I'm pretty sure we jumped in a little bit, and some <laughs> bikinis. And you and me would have made so much money on Twitch. Totally. Just you and me frolicking with suds in the bikinis in the inflatable pool totally yeah. i'm sure it would millions totally your uh, matt could have could have gotten his audience hooked into us they they would have been repulsed but they would have you know shared it or something and like, yeah do the calendar fucking, shots look at these retarded gen xers <laughs> <laughs> trying to be these legit or flat fire whatever the word is but yeah well, it's it's tough. I mean, like, I mean, for for folks like you that have an interesting uh, channel in into what we do, and others, um, it, it it kind of waters down everything, right? Because well, I mean, like, I mean, it, but it also plants seeds too, right? Because, yeah, it's, I see yeah. it as casting a broad net. You know, because the more uh, like breadcrumbs are thrown out there for people to go, hey, what's this little thing catching the moonlight on the ground and they they follow one to the next and the ones that are really into it and into getting deeper with it they will eventually follow those breadcrumbs and we'll bake them and eat them that's that's a great analogy and yeah i, 
I think I'd mentioned to you a while back of a um, of an occult um, <laughs> book collector that said that basically when he when he gets rid of books, he doesn't just give them to friends. He randomly plants them in like little thrift stores and here and there, just because he knows that those books will ultimately end up in the hands of the the true seeker, right? That's very, very odd and wonderful. Totally. Yeah. But you but you don't know what what happens to all that stuff, right? I mean, for all I know, I die and, and my kids are like, what the hell is all this crap? <laughs> well, it's to fortune is what it is. It's like, you know, yeah, it's not hard to have a couple hundred grand worth of books these days if you know how to collect, right? And or if you were collecting as long as we were. Um, yeah. Well, and it's funny. I mean, when I let go of that book to Larry, I felt really good that it was going to a new home. But then I was like, I don't want to sell any more books. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. I'm like an all or nothing, nothing personality in some way. Dude, where... I can't get like the David Heimsmith books I want that you showed me at your place. And then I now realize I'm like, oh, damn, they were available when I was down. There. One person even wanted to just get me one because I, I didn't know his work. And I was like, no, that's okay. Regret, you know? And uh, a lot of them you can't get except secondhand for three, four hundred dollars. They pop up from time to time. I mean, but yeah, I, he well, doesn't well, sell them. He like once they run out, like he's got two new books coming out on the twenty first for Midsummer, the Philosophical Mercury, I think, and uh, the uh, new translation of the Fountain of uh, Bright, Gate, Bright Gates of Light. I can't remember shit. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they pop up. I mean, unfortunately, what this has also brought on is a bunch of actual just book collectors, um, and a lot the, of those. First true, print- yeah, do they suck? Is it like fuck the real the hardcore just collectors who are taking the books off the shelves for the practice? Well, for example, I mean, it's nothing new, but like in dark grimoires, I, when I say dark, I say that with parentheses, right? But when you talk about these like um, Libra Phallix or 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 Citra Atra, or or some of these books, um, they go for insane amounts of money. And granted, there's some content in those books, but people are buying them. And I I see the same people like beg for people to sell them to them. And like a month later, selling them for like a hundred bucks more. And what it's doing is it's keeping the stuff out of reach of folks that, you know, that, that are truly interested into it. Well, I think I think another thing people do is they'll buy up all the existing copies of of one out of print book, like for, that are cheap and common. They'll buy them all up, and then they'll put them all up at like one hundred and twenty dollars when it's a twenty dollar book. It's very common, but I mean, if, if if you're actually on the search for a title, you'd be really surprised. Um, I've done hunts for books where you know everyone's trying mm-hmm. to sell it for way above sticker, and you can actually get it from the publisher for regular price dude i can't i can't wait to show you this thing that i can't even talk about right here i'll show it to you <laughs> next time you just gotta like get real close and bend over well and you have to ask yourself i mean <laughs> i mean i mean people are lusting after like 800 you know leather handbound book you know and then they sell it two months later and you're like well what is this book doing for you <clears throat> and i think that that's what pa- oh, yeah. the pandemic did for me as a whole was like if you're going to invest time in this it's god to do something for you it it can't be a a black hole of your time it can't be just a um you know a a quiet the mind rest or numb the mind should i say 
it should actually be doing something for you. And that really made me take kind of a step back a lot and really get right back into daily practice because there's too many books. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, like, Oh yeah. You don't need it, man. You don't need it at all. yeah, Yeah. You don't need that shit. Like I had all these like 80 year old copies of like all in hardcover, the secret, secret doctrine, all these Blavatsky things and all these other great so-called great texts, but I, I have no desire to ever buy them or be near them ever again. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it would have been great to still have them sell, but um, or just to have them, I guess. But, you know, yeah, as you, especially as we get older, it's like, let's get the books that we really could get some use out of. I was just looking into uh, Nick Farrell's Shem Grimoire, and the reviews are, of course, uh, challenging to read because many people aren't too nice. Um, and some of them are also just dead wrong. One of them said his language was bad and then gave an example that was actually a correct example. It was just British English. It's like, okay, so you don't know English very well, um, but you can't, you obviously, is, is there typos and, and problems? Yeah, but that's not what's, ma- what's relevant. And to the point we're discussing, what's relevant is what is the information in that book? And I found out what that information was and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not gonna get that literally anywhere else. And as a huge practitioner of the Shem, mm-hmm. I absolutely want to know what he recommends. So therefore, <laughs> that's an essential book. doesn't matter how I get the information. I just need to get it because I definitely want to try that stuff out as, a, well, as, a, as someone who's that's one of my main things. Totally. And when you talk about a guy like Nick Farrell, who has amazing works, um, along with uh, another folk out there, uh, Mark Stavish, these guys are very real about their work. I mean... They're not yeah. writing this to make you happy. They're not writing about, they're, they're, they're literally trying to show you practice. Um, a lot of ways in the Emerald Tablet did, right? You know, it, from, from teacher to student and the way this stuff is supposed to be learned. And I think that those are the most amazing books, but they're not the most popular books. I mean, a lot of people just want to, I mean, look at these introductions. And I mean, you can read half a book now of 200 pages and, and like, only define like two pages of praxis and you're like yeah come on i mean i mean if you bought this book to actually do work this was a ridiculous purchase you know and and people like nick like the other one he did helios which is the uh the greek path to the holy guardian angel beautiful i'm absolutely gonna read that i'm absolutely gonna read it it's a beautiful book and if anyone actually practices it from start to finish they would be very happy. But I think the way, the way that, it, you know, how real that book is, is that some people just come off rubbed off. They're not going to do the work. They kind of want to just read something that kind of gets, keeps them in the fantasy world. Yeah. Well, it is fun to imagine. Oh, fantasy is about ourselves. Yeah. And, and there is this borderland between the fictional and the, the, the really fantastical and, uh, yeah, there's something to be said of it, of course. I mean, inspiration is important, like so important, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's the point, right? The quintessence, right? The, the I, fault- I, uh, no, no, go ahead. Pardon me, dude. Oh, go not, ahead, man. Do your thing. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I found some Pineapple Express. Just found. And, it's, and it, I found it, well, at a store. At, you know, on on the on Robson Street, on the the high street of Vancouver, they had a 
cartridge of pineapple express and it's been fueling me all day perfect but what were we saying oh we were just bullshitting about different authors and uh nick farrell's where we left off there uh, well, mark yeah, savish so again is Farrell's, also one of my favorites go ahead farrell's helios unbound it's a pagan abramelin for those who don't know yeah so if you want to do right is it adaptable to different pantheons I suppose so, but I don't know how that would help. I think the he, focus... he, does, he must do it with Greek, right? He does it with Greek, of course. His, I mean, Helios. Yeah, because yeah, he actually substituted in Greek gods uh, for uh, is it maybe was I think it might have been the Caribbean in in the Theoricus initiation in his order. Gotcha. In two equals okay. nine. I'm not sure. Um, I just I think it's a rumor or something someone said. I don't know. I don't pay as much attention as I should. I'm too busy, man. Dude, I'm, I'm translating now. I'm translating. Like, I have translation project deadlines and shit. That's for, great. like, real publishers. It's, like, getting on the scene, B-Hatch. No, that's great to hear, man. Really yeah. Great to hear. Um, yeah. I really want things to open up so, like, my seminary's library will open up and I can go back there and talk to some profs and, you know, run a few uh, Hebrew issues by my old old Hebrew professor there and stuff. Um, use the library, man. You got to compare that shit. You got to like cross-reference key words with their appearances and all the rabbinic literature and stuff. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think that's great, man. I'm, I'm super yeah. excited about that. I mean, us too back in, back in California too. I mean, the Masonic Lodge hasn't opened up, opens up, I believe, in uh, August. I think it's when we finally start to attend again. Even though we're clear, you know, June 15th apparently was the clear day. So wow. I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, just looking forward to getting together with more folks. Um, it's really hot. Yes, go ahead, buddy. Um, we're doing we're doing a Jason Newcomb's Grimoire course right now. Awesome. So yeah, you're, you're part of that? It's actually, it's, well, I, I'm going through it with some of my, my people. Um, Actually, we just had another person jump aboard. So we haven't ever gotten to do it as we planned. So we're going to do like a Zoom meeting in like a week and uh, talk about and have a symposium sort of thing with ourselves on what we've gone through that week. He's the, he, he puts a lot of content actually in his stuff. And there's a lot of real, really interesting points that he brings up that are so crucial to magicians developing their all the different array of attributes and skills that we really need to have. And he focused on, on a lot of the different ones. Like, you know, many people, I mean, if you've read any of that, I was reading John, I'd read John King's Imperial Arts and he thinks mm -hmm. visualization is a waste of time. And so there's a lot of these authors that maybe, maybe they're grimoire purist or maybe they're just dogmatic or maybe they're just doing their own thing, who knows? But there's a lot of them that don't emphasize like bringing in uh, essential oils and getting using those with maybe experimenting with some binaural beats, some like astral meditation or initiation visualizations um, and attuning to different sigils, smells, stuff like that. But to me, I love that sort of low magic-y stuff because that's actually sort of the heart of high magic. And that's how I've always seen it. Maybe it's the Scott Cunningham in me, but like, that's my jam. I like I like the full spectrum holistic approach to magic. And that's what we're, what, what, what is really there as well as like handouts that you have to read. That's like, Oh Jesus, you're making us read some serious literature here. <laughs> so if you really do it, I do believe you'll get a ton out of it. I'm sure not everyone really does the lessons or takes them seriously, but it's pretty impressive. It's funny. You brought up John King. Cause I really, I have a few of his books and he seems to be one that's left out a lot. 
um, in discussion well, about Solomonic magic. And I hear there was something maybe later in his career where he was luring folks with some money scheme or, or something, if I remember correctly. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear anything about that. I don't actually know anything about him. I just know what I read in Imperial Arts and I, what I heard on Glitch Bottle. And he seems like a fine guy, but um, yeah, he definitely, I mean, he sort of just got to read it. Yeah. No, I, I listened to the podcast yeah. too, and actually I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah. Um, again, it's just interesting. He doesn't come up a lot in regular I mean, in, in, in Imperial Arts, he claims to have uh, killed his mom by working with Duetic Demons, as far as I can tell. Interesting. As well as two other people in an earthquake that he intentionally caused. <laughs> so, and one thing that struck me when he, in his notes, is like he wasn't in his requests of these, or his, in his bindings of these spirits. Like he said, make me a 6.5 greater earthquake in this area. And then what happened? And two people died. And um, he, in any of his phrasing, he never adds, don't let someone get hurt. And mm -hmm. like the, the, when his mom died, he says it was because he was hired by this jewelry mentor of his whose shop he wanted to take over to expedite his mother's death. So he was hired to use poetic demons to expedite this other guy's mom's death. And instead, his own mom died. I believe that is what he says, but y'all can check it out. And, no, no, and I mean, people, he, he definitely deserves for people to buy his book, which is the only way to read this stuff um, off Lulu or whatever. Um, and they're not expensive, but well, some of them are, but either way, his work deserves to be taken seriously as far as I can tell. Yeah, no, I it's love just, his work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and his, his, his my, uh, one of my buddies was telling me about like the visionary drawing he does shows that there's a lot of visualization involved in his imagining of things otherwise he wouldn't do these beautiful pages of of his own grimoire interesting a complicated man i'd say i mean a lot of these guys are gonna definitely go down in in the books i mean john king ashley shazan steven skinner these these are people with very distinct uh, perspectives but who are doing work very seriously and uh that's of so much value to all of us right Definitely. And it's, it's crossing boundaries too. Like I think the other day I saw something with uh, Fred Arashen who was uh, talking about talesmans that he sells. And, you know, there was a couple gals at the beach in bikinis and Fred Arashen's talesmans. And I thought, wow, things are really getting out there. You know what I mean? Like, and talk about the respect, you know, you, <laughs> you meet a gal at the beach, you know, in a bikini and you're like, wow, is that a, is that the, is that the, six pentagram of the sun is that <laughs> so people that bought his talismans were posed in bikinis eh yeah no he posted it too and i think he's proud dude of it. i don't that, think that's even like be. yeah exactly dude whenever you've been on tour and girls put on your band merch you take a fucking photo and post it exactly no yeah. no there's there's yeah. there's nothing to be uh disappointed about there or be ashamed of right i mean that's actually cool. chassis gets the heavy metal devil horns for sure yeah <laughs> definitely yeah, no he's lucky. he's super cool too he has his seminars up in the midwest i believe i know a few folks yeah. that, have, that have gone to him and they seem to be very very useful yeah i'd love to do some of his stuff i was like that's a that's big on the big on the wish list for sure definitely you know he seems to yeah. have a really killer eye and and has a a, a bunch of resources <laughs> to to procure these really interesting <laughs> occult curios right I mean, the stuff he finds is amazing. Uh, but then again, he probably knows what he's looking for, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard to imagine us all getting to hang out and see each other at conferences or retreats again, but I, it will happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to say how it will happen, you know, and when. I mean, I mean, even in the music industry, which, which is what I'm from, um, from day to day, is, you know, our annual trade shows are delayed. We're not sure, you know, what we're going to do. We are obviously going to attend our one yearly one, but the question has been raised, is it actually something we need to do wow yeah and i I personally think so you know i personally am a big fan of getting in contact face to face with folks but you know we'll see has there been any uh, band practices or anything like that probably not i guess we finally got back into it um in fact my so my my heavy metal band trial by combat is back at it in fact we didn't get to release our album officially because it was set to release, I believe, uh, a month into the pandemic. <laughs> so we oh, held wow. on. So we held on to the yeah. recording, did some music. <laughs> that videos. was smart. Oh my goodness! And so, the, so now we've got. Uh, we just got hired for the support for some uh, big acts that are coming at the end of the year. And then the the '80s band is is just getting all sorts of requests. In fact, I got three gigs today. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's, it's going. Can you wild. tell us some of the bands? <laughs> this particular band is called Chopping Broccoli. I never ever thought I'd end up in an '80s cover band, but I have to say it wow. has been a shit ton of fun, and it pays very well. I had to like, play well. back of guitar on like Pat Benatar for a while. It was it was a trip. <laughs> you know, when the money is great because people know what they want. You know, they hear the tunes that they grew up with, and you know, we we, we yeah. put on the show, we give them a good time, and you know. It is what it is. That's right, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, there's also I also got I got to, just, I gotta tell you after <laughs> after <laughs> it's summertime and things are happening again. Music, uh teaching, film, uh things are happening again, bro. Everything's yeah. waking um, up. Yeah, everything's waking yeah. up big time. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh I'm hopeful, like tentatively. We'll see. Totally. At good. the very least, we can, uh, I don't know, keep, keep talking. It's crazy to think that this podcast came out of this madness or like this. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I did a little bit of podcasting before, but not seriously. And that's weird. It's weird. Well, it would, you know, it's the opportunity. You got to take advantage of it, right? I mean, I, I've never listened to as many podcasts as I have oh, yeah. in, in the last year. <laughs> right. I mean, that's... come on. I mean, it's crazy. I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, it's three and a half hours, no big deal. That's my, that's that's just a half my morning. No, totally. Oh, <laughs> oh dude, uh, any anything good you've seen recently? Pardon my, you know, my, uh, no, no it's, it's just a, it's just a DMT overdose. <laughs> just t- typical day in the Which, neighborhood, dude. A, a mushroom dispensary just opened up next door, and I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. And then they were like. Oh well, there's already one down on the main street at at Davy Davey Granville, and I was like, and there's one opening up down at Denmining. So at the beginning and in the middle of like one of the main streets of the city, there's now yeah. three, three mushroom mushroom dispensaries. Yeah, that's a big thing here in California. Berkeley's just passed a thing where I think they legalize mushrooms, uh, and they're working on LSD currently. It's a trip. It's wow. really a trip. I mean, like. I'm both happy that things are getting liberated, but I'm also kind of worried at the same time because everyone's like their own doctor in California. 
like everyone's their own therapist everyone's their own you know health nutritionist and so everybody <laughs> self-diagnoses like everything and so the last thing we need is just like this unlimited tap of you know mushrooms you know <laughs> california here we come yeah, yeah baby you guys are nuts out there aren't you well just a little bit um yeah i mean things are nuts i mean yeah, what we tolerate is crazy. In fact, uh, our governor just promoted the fact that he's in his next campaign because right, he's going through re-election and like a bunch of people want to get rid of him. He just promoted oh, yeah. that, he, that he would allow uh, drive-through alcohol to continue. Sure. Well, anything to try and beat Caitlin, right? Isn't it crazy? I mean, like, I remember Dude, Caitlin's, when... Caitlin's got my vote. I mean, dry, driving with an open container in California was like an epic no-no ever since I was <laughs> growing up, so, right? So, but the driver can't be drinking it. They can, but it's an open container. There's just like a yeah. little sticker or something that like, you know, don't break the That seal. makes sense. In Europe, like in Germany, you can drink if you're not driving. Like, so like first time we were driving the Autobahn, going from convention to convention for the board game thing. Um, we were at a gas station and at the checkout of the gas station, bottles of Jaeger. So we all grabbed one each, got in the car, told the <laughs> old guy to drive on the Autobahn. He was terrified. And we all just got hammered in the other seats. <laughs> and it was terrifying because like you're going like 200 clicks and you're still the slowest car in the slowest lane. And these cars are just blasting past you. No speed limit. What a trip, man. I mean, and I talked to some friends here locally that were you know sitting in their house for a year. You know, and the, and when the legalization of the mushrooms came out, they were all like, you know, grabbing bags of mushrooms and tripping at home by themselves. <laughs> it was trippy, I mean, man. We live in places where it's never really been hard to get stuff like that, of course. Well, it, I mean, it, it, the way it's happening now is speaking speaks well of how things will develop for other places. I think that we touched on this a little bit in a conversation. I don't think we did a recording or anything. But I was I was reading a Facebook post by a friend and they were talking about, you know, teacher to student transmission. Right. And it came up, it came up that drug use is probably one of the oldest teacher to student transmissions. Oh, interesting. And nowadays kids can go on YouTube and like figure out how to do things. But like back when, when we were growing up, you had to know somebody to know how to prepare something or deal with something. And if you think about it, it's actually one of the oldest surviving traditions. And it's, yeah, it's been replaced by, you know, people, you know, vaping on YouTube and whatever else, right? <laughs> Free Shut up. weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have the pop shamanism now, but yeah, it's, it's an old tradition. You're right all those things were like how much to eat, you know, like uh, how to prepare it. And, and usually, and I know you remember this, this is kind of funny, like, like we talk a lot about uh, ayahuasca teas and DMT. And these, these drugs were designed for a teacher to sit with a student, like a shaman, right? And prepare them for the trip, right? Yeah, yeah. Where that, that's, that's it, it, it's kind of different now, right? I mean, people just get these things and they try them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total trip. I mean, 
it, it's funny that I say that, but when, when that point was raised, my brain just went, oh my God, that is one of the oldest surviving situations. Yeah. I mean, like if you wouldn't, there are certain drugs that you wouldn't even know how to do unless someone had taught you how to do it. Yeah, you, you just wouldn't know. You just wouldn't know. And you look yeah. at the current situation with like fentanyl and, and opiates, it's no wonder that people are dying left and right. There's no uh, transmission of knowledge. There's no transmission of knowledge because they're replacing it. It's just like, yeah. Oh my god. It's a total trip. Yeah. Hey, do you want to talk about um, the vibratory technique stuff you figured out? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so, So you and me had some pretty powerful magical experience together at your place in your in your temple. Tahuti, yeah, for sure. yeah, I showed you how a Tahitian does Tahuti or how we did it. And uh, it's classic, of course. It just uh, was powerful. But um, yeah, you've been pushing it hopefully ever since. Yeah, I've been pushing it ever since. And, you know, um, doing, you know, my daily exercises and working with vowels. And of course, you know, a music guy like yourself. So I've, I've correlated things like, you know, color, uh, of course, you know, with notes, just like the, the original, um, what uh, Fare Ra Temple did. And then was uh, pushed much further with people like uh, Paul Foster Case. Oh, and the best book for that is Joss, especially if you can read uh, Notation is Jocelyn Godwin's The Power of Vowels or whatever. I will check that out. Yeah, I'm sure Jocelyn Godwin did the Splendor Solace, right? Uh, dude, it was so creative. Dude, I, I literally got to like... And now, a word from our sponsors. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. I was randomly at a lunch with him at the University of Michigan in 2004. Jocelyn Godwin, like, I think it was Allison Kuder, Nicholas Goodrick Clark, and a couple others, like the main people at the ASE conference. I didn't know what, what was going on, right? I was just some dumbass 24 year old who was almost in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I did plan, I traveled a long ways to be there. But fuck, man, Jocelyn Godwin's a machine, man. And you look at his scholarship, and I, I tried to read his book on the power of vowels or the vowels and stuff. But my musical, I'm, I'm not that good at reading them. Um, uh, trouble clef, you know, like I can do it slowly, which is fine, you know. But when I pick yeah. up a violin, I can I can slowly walk through the notes, no problem. Um, but he gets into the theory, but it's all from this very magical perspective, like, and uh, I think it's overlooked. So I'd be very fascinated by someone with your knowledge level in that area to have an, to see what your opinion is on that. I would love to check it out. In 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 looking at those different, it's a works. tiny paperback. So okay, it costs nothing. It costs nothing. 
I'll check it out. I mean, in, you know, working with you um, in the little time that we work together, I, I quickly realized the importance of vibrating the entire body, right? You know, or in, in or volume, you know, yeah. doing your vowel work. And well, you, you even said Chick pointed that out once half his audience left. Oh, wasn't that you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people don't realize how much you need to actually want it. I mean, I mean, are you just going through the exercises? Are we doing like, for example, let's 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 that's a good analogy with exercise, right? Like, you can do sets oh, of ten push-ups over and over again, but everyone knows that better. those last two push-ups that burn the hell out of you. I got better, bro. This is better. Voice exercises. For when you're doing like Seth Riggs style, which is like he's the guru of voice exercises, like the, the man undeniably. Mm -hmm. Um, you you're doing these trills like but you're you're bending forward at the same time and you're hitting, shooting them up as quickly as you can with this trill sound without your lips opening and without your cheeks expanding as high as it goes, like to the point where it's way out of key, but it doesn't matter, you're hitting it over and over like until it hits over and over higher and higher and higher and then you just sing the thing normally and all of a sudden your muscles in your throat like know better what to do and it's fucking insane so it's like you have to hit that max volume for you to actually expand your your vocal range and to expand your control of the notes so if you think of that in terms of vibratory technique golden bond vibratory technique yeah you have to push it to the max volume into the max expression for it to actually improve and get more strong so that it's actually stronger even at lower vibrational emphases just because yeah, you've no, got it exactly. uh, you're yeah and it's it's it is very very unique to the gd but i mean other people are doing it and i think they should well and i think it works in any kind of valing practice you know whether you're doing rosicrucian you know ra ma um all these things i think that the the thing that my take home is is that when you get loud enough and vibrate enough it actually quiets down the brain even more because you're yeah. not thinking about what you're doing anymore. You're just experiencing what you're doing. And, and so from that... Exactly. And so you've been pushing that. You've been experimenting with that after you heard me vibrate. Exactly. And so from there, I started working with the full, uh, the fourfold breath, excuse me. And um, I started incorporating this idea. I thought, well... <laughs> wait a sec wait a sec wait a sec what if i breathe in on the vowels and out with the same vowels and what i found that you do naturally is any i mean i can't say you know everybody because i i do play music and i'm kind of musically inclined right but you naturally use the lower octave on the exhale and the higher octave on the inhale and what's cool about this i think is that if you actually practice it you're going to learn to circular breathe right like the opera singers uh we i remember back in the day we used to take a, a straw and a glass and you would try to drink the the water but breathe in at the same time and yeah. if you can actually complete that you'll do a full circular breathe and just like um opera singers practice this to be able to hold notes for two minutes or three minutes i think it even breathes more true to what we're talking about and vibrating so i started experimenting with that and I found that it became like a battery, you know, um, it's one thing to breathe in and vowel out and breathe in and vowel out. But when you're breathing in and intoning and intoning on the exhale, it's, it's like steroids. 
for, for the sphere. And so, as you know, like I started working on this and I, I f- thought I found something that was groundbreaking and it was working for me. So, I, so shared it, you, I share it with you. You shared it with me. <laughs> and I was like, I was very convinced that you had read a certain five equals six document that is out there on the internet floating around from our order, the order I was trained in, which trained some of the guys in your order, uh, specifically David Hogan here. Mm-hmm. who initiated you was yeah. a student yeah he your mentor who was a student of mine 20 years ago when briefly when he was in portal and i was the head of tahuti at the power week so he was he was at lectures of mine which is cool i remember the guy and he was a really cool dude which is why we have rad text exchange talking with star text star trek <laughs> um you know um but yeah he was like we we both recognized it as this five six document on the advanced vibratory technique of the middle pillar so you came into it all on your own. Yeah, it was interesting. And I think that that's important because whenever you do this type of work, right, you look for, yeah. from a scientific perspective too, like you can't go all hands in um, just metaphysical, but would we see that people, like for example, the, uh, the, the, astro, uh, the, the zodiacal uh, signs and the faces of them, whether you look at uh, Arabic astrology or Chinese astrology or anyone, you see the same dic- um, dictations of them, right? Yeah. And, and so the fact that I, I stumbled upon this, uh, of course, thinking it was my own and only defined by my mentors like you and David, that it's actually a part of a later teaching to me is more of the, the, you know, more than coincidence, which is what you start off, I think, a lot in the cult. You get those deja vus and coincidences, and then you finally stumble upon breadcrumbs. <clears throat> what I like is that some things in the system just start to become obvious if you work the preliminaries enough. And that's why I still am, am focused on teaching the preliminaries and the basics, because uh, people underestimate where you can get to with it and what it, what it reveals about advanced techniques. Like, some of the most very advanced techniques ever learned are, are absolutely just extensions of the most, the earliest, most basic things we would learn. And uh, after that, I guess it's just a matter of expansion of your mind and consciousness and personal power that allows you to access them more. Like you, with the you know advancing the vibratory technique, which is just sort of obvious. We, there's a the document has a visualization that goes with it as well. And then that technique again is expanded on and used for the, the techniques for the great voice. And that is different in different traditions. And a real question, which you asked very intelligently to the, one of the few people that could answer it is whether or not this tradition teaching goes back to the original golden dawn, which you found out the answer was. No, um, no, of course that, not. That was what's so interesting is that, you know, I came up upon this and, was thinking about writing a whole exercise around it and then i'm quickly told by you and david this already exists and then yeah we don't know who wrote it really we don't know nobody knows in fact no nobody knows in fact tony fuller spoke he filled in the pieces he said that while this is not a part of the original practice it's possible that could have happened in different orders which apparently it did right from from talking to you and david yeah um but his comment at the end was so cool because he said I have no doubt that this probably works and I admire you, you know, to innovate, you know, and I think that that's really important for folks, of course, once they grow their legs in the occult to 
to change and innovate, you know, don't water down, but, but not be afraid to, you know what I mean? Elaborate yeah. and change yeah. and grow the orders of teachings. And that's where I love and hate the golden dawn tradition because I love it because so many people within it are innovating and expanding, but within the tradition, but also like feel that some of the more dogmatic elements are, they're, they're, it's a mixture of preserving and limiting what is. It's tough. And I think that the teacher-student thing has worked for a long time. But there's something funny about um, people in general is they want to get together with others to study the same thing, even if it's something as secret as the occult, right? And yeah. really quickly, whether it's, you know, masonry or, you know, Golden Dawn or Martinism, when you get a group of people together, there's always problems. You know, you, there's always things you have to deal with because now you're not only dealing with an esoteric current, you're dealing with this new community. And I admire all those hierophants that, that put up with everything and <laughs> deal with all the, the bureaucratic parts of what none of this was ever supposed to be. Uh, but I do also, you know, I think it's amazing that they, they continue to carry the torch um, of these traditions um, and, and even if in some cases they haven't you know carried it on in the way that it was planned yeah i mean there's yeah. there's probably so many other fragmented currents you know and i know we talked a long a while ago um i'm going at a tangent here but with the whole tool thing and dan and dan carry you know, all being like GD folks. And in fact, I've confirmed that from a few other sources. Some say we'll see them again soon. I certainly hope we will. Totally. Yeah, and they, they, they were oh, initiated for sure. I miss gigging in karaoke. I yeah. sure could use a vacation <laughs> from this. It's funny how, how um, there's this mixture of very arty and musical and academic folks in the occult it's either one or the other or like in the middle a lot you know yeah well it's nothing new i mean i played dungeons and dragons when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> you know it takes a certain type to uh catch the cold right so to speak you know and and be kind of forced into this and i think that's something that's really not talked about a lot in occultism is, is that once you finally jump off the cliff as a fool or walk off the cliff or walk the desert or all those other terms that people use there's no going back well here's the other thing is magic is very helpful when you are lacking the power to do other things well that's the whole idea right? of it like like the story of Inanna, so, right you know you and have to lose everything it. we're entering right? into this like totalitarian lockdown surveillance state or we're there already right and we can't do that much about it necessarily but we what the, what all those like dystopian sci-fi novels in 1984 didn't take into account hear me out hear me <laughs> out is that magic is real no in fact it was so, used to do so right <laughs> those stories never took us into account so what are we going to do to make some shit happen. I mean, this is a this is an interesting subject, right? Because maybe it's all on us. 
maybe that's our divine you know what calling. Same... and we all every, every and every single flaming rose and cross in every heart has to wake up and fucking get their shit in order and get to action all across the world and that's the toughest part i mean like and all the witches and sorcerers rise up more like no new revolution and then the elves and dwarves come back and we're back in shadow run i love it and it's it's very you know you get what i'm saying awesome but you know what i mean like it's kind of like when trump was like getting into presidency you'd have these like tens of thousands of hashtag witches that are doing these masses to make sure he doesn't become president and it's like he became president you're like and i'm not a fan or anything like that but it's like you know we really have to realize what we're using the practice for and that goes back to what i told you earlier is this is all great information to know spiritual experience is awesome but if it's not helping you or doing anything applicable then it's really just a time suck, you know? And I think that's a realization that many people maybe don't want to hear. Uh, it's like science, right? I mean, if you're doing an experiment, <coughs> an experiment and you're doing it over and over again and it's not giving you results, you could buy every flask and, and tube and book in the world, but it's not going to help the situation. And I think there's yeah. a fine line of escapism and practical magic in our community. They're there. There are folks that actually do this and do well with it. But like every industry, 90% of it is hobbyists. You know, look at the music industry, you know, one out of, you know, two out of 10 people on a guitar, maybe even five or six, right? But not many of them play it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why meeting you was so awesome at the fucking hotel at Pantheacon, man. We were fucking, did we play? Oh my God, did we play? Totally. Just totally. like fucking, I can't believe our instruments survived that. It was just two acoustics in a hotel room. And you had a dobro, didn't you? Yeah, I brought a dobro, man. And that's what's funny about dobro. music, man. Music is a language, man. And it's it's better than words. And, you know, like, <laughs> like I remember, I remember and you know, Kizuki. I, I, well, you probably had the same experience. I mean, you're a much more well-world traveler than I, but like, when I meet someone that cannot even understand me and I can't understand them, but they have a guitar and I have a guitar or me on drums, they guitar. It's amazing. We talk. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, that's so beautiful, right? It like surpasses language, you know, Dude. which even, even Hebrew is mystical. It is, it's just a transmission, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The Hebrew guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's an attempt, you know, it's an attempt and hieroglyphics do a great job at that as well. But you could never explain the feeling like we don't even like here's a funny example I think of a lot. Like we, we have Beethoven's old uh, musical, you know, symphonies. We have Mozart, but there's not a single recording of them. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Like for all we know, no one pulled it off and someone else pulled it off. Uh, strange to think about strange to think about a lot you know and i think that we tend to glorify everything it, for good for good because you know immortality is that right you know making like you like you mentioned earlier about frater Hassan and nick farrell and you get your aaron leach these folks are definitely gonna you know be in the books you know as folks that really uh, 
gave teachings to the masses and or integral Did figures. I say Aaron Leach? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's that about? <laughs> nothing. 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 Um, yeah. No, I, I, I feel the way I, about him, I, the way I feel about John Michael Greer. Very, very grateful, but sometimes confused. In our we, <clears throat> right? I mean, like, yeah, which is fine. It's like we all have areas of study. And I think this, this reminds me of the paradigm of science, right? You've got all these scientists that are very specialized in very specific fields. So none of them really completely understand each other's field. And I think it's quite common that you see that out there. Mm hmm. You know, because there's very mac there's very few macro folks that see everything as a whole, and nobody understands the whole picture as a whole, right? I mean, we all we specialize in our little we silos. We look through we see a glass our darkly, exactly. And and we yeah. hope, and that's why we all connect, and that's why we all converse <laughs> and and you know review and read different books is because we hope again that there's that. Um, understanding that everyone's little pieces will come together and create a whole which is what science is supposed to do right as magic oh right? you you know dude you know what's amazing is that's where i've been getting my 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 sort of mystical fix um because the ritual mm -hmm. work we're doing is great i'm loving doing uh this celtic stuff and then some really hardcore enochian heptarchia stuff that's just building up in lovely ways and it's quite profound um but for the spiritual fix, I've been really enjoying the David Heimsmith stuff. Like I've done a few of his lectures, like listen, you know, done the videos and done the contemplations and a lot of yeah, you know, the reading and work. And those symbols are very, very powerful. Like the, they the are first powerful. key, the first can, can key you, is can you the run, first key is can, can you give me a can you give me a montage for a minute? I got to run for just yeah. like one minute. Keep going. A montage. Oh, yeah. this is a montage. We're having a little montage, but no. So David Heim Smith, of course, is a is a non-emanationist modern Kabbalist, and he's got some new books coming out, and you can check him out at davidheimsmith.com. And his thirty-two keys book and uh, cards and course is very phenomenal. And he's bringing back a, a system of Kabbalah that has been uh, overlooked, probably uh, for the most part but is related to the Abilafian system and is in his approach, which comes from an oral tradition, which he was asked to finally share um, out of his, his home in New York. And uh, here he's presenting it to us as a contemplative system of mystical development. And it's quite phenomenal and, and very related to the practices of the Merkava and the Hekelot, which are the two primary methods of practical Kabbalah for lack of a better word, you know, for definitive spiritual practices that uh, involve taking down into the palaces of God or riding the chariot up to God. And uh, those are both great practices. Uh, look at R.A. Kaplan is my main influence and, and his book Meditation and Kabbalah is again my main influence for Abilafian practice that uh, it's great to see something else hit the hit the uh, mm -hmm. arena and and expand things. That's what David Hyam Smith's done. I just explained how he's 
really expanded the uh, field of practice for practical Kabbalah into this old school of practice that uh, is non-emanationist and very powerful, very powerful. Yeah, no, and it's it's amazing. I mean, not many folks get to live the life of such a uh, genius as David Heim Smith uh, because he lives in Hermitage. I mean... Oh, I definitely want, yeah, I definitely want to go there at some point. I mean, just like, uh, is it Greg Kaminsky from uh, A Cult of Personality was there when I was talking to him on the podcast that I did with him? I think Greg was like actually there at that time or something like that, or was about to be there. So a lot of people are going there and and studying with him and contemplating with him, I guess. I'm still, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of back burner, but at the same time, it's fueling a lot of my internal uh, connectivity. Yeah, no, he's always interesting to listen. I could listen to him for hours. Um, sometimes yeah, I'm yeah. with him. Sometimes I'm learning. Sometimes I'm wowing. Um, but he's a definitely a genuine soul um, as far as the path goes. And when you talk to him as you have and listen to him, it's obvious, you know, that he has something to bring. Um, in his last interview, I think it was with Eric Simpkins, he was talking a lot about how how the channeling happens. In fact, I think at one point he had... See, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, apparently he at one, point, at one point he was he was painting paintings over and over again because his his mentor had told him, paint everything you know. And he literally uh, was was in one room and painted for like two weeks straight and had to paint everything he ever knew. And in him telling that story, it was quite obvious how he traject how the trajectory started in his path with his artwork. Because hmm. this was before I think he was very well known um, with, I'm sorry, and I don't want to call it artwork because that's not what he likes to call it. Uh, these, are, these are images that come to him from the divine. Um, not to be uh, confused with artwork, as he says. Um, and so when he painted all these things, he put them all around. Yeah, you the shouldn't room. put them on your walls, Jesse. Yeah, no, that, I learned that. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Do you want to tell me what happened? Oh my god! Just because it's fucking funny. He'll probably hear it and just be so angry. But you he know, he already he already he already was angry, so he's let it go. He's let it he's go. Enlightened right? soul. Yeah. He's like, look at this fucking twerp. And so, so tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell people <laughs> what you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put, put You're me welcome. On the, I love you. <laughs> Johnny on the spot. So, yeah, of course, you know, I love his work. I love his books. And I found some awesome um, images that he had shared. And rather than just being like a pirate, like, because my whole generation is like, take it, right? Like LimeWire, <laughs> Napster, all that shit, right? Rather than being mm. a complete jerk, I, I reached out to him and I said, look, I love this. I love to uh, print this, put it on a canvas. And to my surprise, he answered me back quite quickly and said, yeah, dude, in fact, here's the high res photos. And here I'm like, oh my God, dude, you know, you ask, you shall receive, right? So he, so he yeah. sends me the- What a match. <laughs> totally. And I, that's actually after I offered to buy them. But at that point in time, I don't think he sold any of these prints. 
And so I got the artwork and I'm at work just trying to hustle and do my thing. And I see like, you know, the whole Amazon canvas service. And so I set it up, blah, 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 buy a couple prints, get them in the mail. And when they come in the mail, what do I find? They weren't set up right. So the, so the prints were larger than the, than the actual frame. So part mm. of it, the artwork or again, not artwork. Oh, it was, and that was the heresy? So the artwork went around the sides. And honestly, I thought it was kind of cool personally. Because when you come to the side of the painting, well, I, I saw still, them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're I thought beautiful. They looked awesome. Yeah, gorgeous. And here I am. Um, I get these prints, and I'm so excited to share them with Mr. Uh, David Heim Smith. <laughs> and I send him a couple photos. They said, "Dude, thank you so much." And what do I get back? Was a, you ruined, you ruined the piece. Destroy them. And I'm like thinking. I'm not going to destroy him, but okay, I will destroy him. Let me know. <laughs> and he sat on it for a minute and he basically said, you don't have to destroy them, but you know, you totally made a mess of my art. And so I have these two ashamed <laughs> art pieces in the collection that are, <laughs> which is a great selling point, right? Like, you know, these, yeah. are, these are the pieces that he didn't want, right? That... <laughs> but exist with permission. But exists with permission. Exactly. There's bastard children, you know, and it, it it's it's the classic story of trying to do the right thing and totally get backlashed on it. But I think it's kind of comical now, because I'm sure he'd probably laugh it off these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's such a good sport. He's such a great guy to talk to, as my banter with him showed. I think, yeah, and that was really uh, wonderful because his work is fabulous. So. And you got him to open up in a lot of areas that I don't think that I've heard other uh, podcasts. Well, <laughs> I'm just crazy, you know. But uh, we'll, I'll talk to him again soon. Um, so, yeah, more to come. We've also got, like, Cliff from Inokian today uh, okay. happening this weekend. And, and Fratter D from, you know, that light in extension? Yes, there's a part yeah, two. He, there's a part two. Author, Author, yeah, part, yeah. So yeah. the author Frater D from the MacGyver Golden Dawn Temple uh, article is is back on my podcast. Our first one was when I was up in quarantine up in the mountains. So I had bad internet, he had bad internet, and together it was a, a recording shit show that really shouldn't <laughs> have been released. But I wanted some of that information out there for those who could uh, uh, suffer through the the glitchy recording. So we're doing a redux not round two we're doing full redux and we're going to cover a lot of that stuff again but even add in more we got a full outline and we're going to go hardcore into it with this uh irish golden dawn adept i will definitely check that out yeah that'll be fun that's uh, i think happening thursday or something like that early early for me because of ireland time he's also got a very interesting experience in the camp hill uh arena which is the Rudolf Steiner's uh, organization that works with uh, differently abled people and you know special people um, they had one attached to my Walder school growing up and, you know, we still made fun of them, unfortunately, but um, we also had a, were taught, trained in a lot of empathy for them, which I don't think would have happened at all at a public school. So that yeah. was nice. We're like, that's, oh, that's a generational <laughs> thing. I think, I think yeah. that, like we were raised to succeed like on every level from the fifties. Right. <laughs> well, they taught us like spiritual philosophy around some of the ideas around why, 
mm-hmm. kids would be born that way. That Steiner, I think, thought believed that some of those kids were born like that to teach us compassion or something like that. And that's which can still be twisted to sound bad. Um, no, no, no. But that's actually so tragic. Considering the 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 mm-hmm. notion at the time was not to be so compassionate, and the fact that the aim of the utopian society would still have compassion for those that didn't fit the model of the utopian mission. I think is a very, um, I'll get Martinist on you. It's kind of a um, get bullying. Martinist on me. Yeah, it's it's the way of the heart, right? I mean, he obviously yeah. he, he followed the way of the heart, and I think that that's really what's missing a lot from a lot of orders. Hey, man, brother. Hey, so speaking of Martinism, uh, uh, any any news in the realm of uh, Martinism? There's Books always teaching news. Thank you for the segue. Changing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Paul, Paul Reyna and his OMS organization is amazing. And I say that from an uh, outside view because I'm not a member of his organization. But the amount of uh, print material he's releasing to the public, he does still have some stuff that he uh, keeps to his OMS members uh, for obvious reasons he's on fire right now and in fact i don't give him all the credit on the recent translation because it was also done through uh, one of his friends actually his friend did the translation but he's been publishing it and the newest title is called the lessons of lions instructions for the loose cohen's it was interesting about this title is there has been recently a lot of uh, book publications uh, claiming to have uh, published most of the Elise Cohen's material. Uh, more recently would be the Green Book from Hellfire Publishing. And anyone who knows anything about Hellfire, Hellfire Publishing knows that they're not the most reliable. Very few. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, you showed me so many sick books you got from them that other people never got shipped to them. And <laughs> weren't you like, uh, oh, I just like, <laughs> didn't you just be like, dude, you're sending me this book? What the fuck? I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I can't speak on Amon's behalf because he does do excellent work. But, you know, but a lot of people spend hundreds of dollars and never get their books, right? But I approached him differently than I would in my sales career, where I'd be on someone's ass all the time. I mm. just, I basically pumped his ego up and was like, yeah, dude, these are beautiful books. Get it to me when you can get it to me. And honestly, I think I own maybe 15 titles from him and maybe. Uh, didn't get one title, which was the Magus. And when I uh, purchased the Green Book for Martinism from him, from the Elise Cohen's, it actually came and I had a bunch of friends that were burned and I just felt so awkwardly odd and happy in the same way. Like, damn, he's obviously ships me all the books, but damn, he's burning everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like the, what the fuck do you expect? It's the Hellfire Club. Well, what's funny about that, and, and he probably like, would, he'd probably hate me saying this, but like after burning a lot of people out of books, he sent out a mass invitation to the Hellfire Club. I, I have it with me here somewhere, which at first I was like, damn, Amon, again. But then I looked at it, and apparently everybody who ever attempted to order a book got this invitation. And it's like oh. a $250 you know, welcome into the thing, get a book, get this and that. And I thought if he sent like 10,000 people this 
expensive mailer. <laughs> it's not good, right? That is, yeah. You know what I mean? To burn a yeah. lot of people with books and then send out a mass mailer, probably yeah. at least 10K was really interesting and, and no disrespect to him it's the hellfire do what's club. right it's the hellfire fucking they're club. aren't they supposed to be wankers that's the whole point right <laughs> like yes that's not far Lock from club. the truth yeah it's not far <laughs> from the truth they have their abbey of flema uh, but, you know, the, um, going back to Martinism, uh, Paul Reyna's book is why I brought up the Green Book, actually, to be honest, was because he did an honest review of it because everyone was was saying, and again, no disrespect to the gentleman that wrote it. And I do love that book a lot. But Paul Reyna said, this is great, but it's missing all sorts of integral parts of the text. And he did a, a full review showing exactly what was missing from the oh, text wow. and i think it fueled his fire to the point where he finally released a few titles that filled in all of the blanks in between wow which i think so, originally uh, was only member it was only available to his you know um oms group what's so what's the give the rundown for someone who doesn't know what uh martinism is just briefly, because we have talked about it a bunch, and it's yeah, 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 totally. About... I'll, I'll do the best I can with like the elevator pitch, right? The um, elevator pitch. <laughs> so, so basically, um, there was a Gnostic um, stream of current of thought that had been uh, sitting in the ages for a long time, but it was actually uh, brought back up by. Uh, Pasquale was his name, and Pasquale was a high-level French Mason. Um, in fact, uh, for those that don't know, there are three main degrees in Masonry, and then there were some higher degrees that eventually would become the Scottish Rite. In fact, some of the Scottish Rite degrees were written by Pasquale. Um, Pasquale wanted to create his own, you know, uh, order um, to to basically get back into the union with the divine. It was heavily ceremonial magic. Uh, it was- What years were these when Pascal worked? I don't have the dates on the top of my head. And I, actually, no, here we go. Pasquale, I don't have them. Eight, but 18th century? A um, little before that, because the reconstruction uh, rituals by Jean Baptiste Lermos uh, were more 1700s. Um, late 1700s so a little bit earlier than that maybe 1750s or so and this gentleman was dead set on connecting with the divine and more importantly with uh, Jesus Christ um, he also brought along with all the Gnostic teachings of the deluge um, which for those that don't know there are archons or forces that keep us down uh, from realizing that we were part of an initial spark of creation and uh, what's, what's actually more important about this story is that his secretary was a man named Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin. And Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin was his secretary very much like how Israel regarded <coughs> the teachings from before. Um, but Louis-Claude uh, de Saint-Martin didn't feel that heavy ritual work was really the, the, 
the way to Christ. And what he did is he grabbed onto some old teachings from um, a Bohem, or what we know as the way of the heart. And he basically, he didn't water it down, but he took away a lot of the ceremonial magic um, from it. Um, but at the same time, um, Louis-Claude uh, de Saint-Martin passed his tradition <laughs> I think on. people just say de uh, Saint-Martin. Saint-Martin, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think so. So um, he, he was the secretary and he passed a lot of this tradition on and eventually ended up in the hands of Jean-Baptiste Willermos um, and Robert Amblin, which is another uh, person that uh, kept these traditions alive. Um, and they are very well and alive today. Um, I wouldn't say as much as they yeah. were back then, but they're very popular. Um, it, it was a very grandiose thing. I mean, the Aleus Cohen's was like the, the um, I don't have it in front of you, but it's like the Grand Commander's Knights of the Universe. It was like some very uh, He-Man <laughs> kind of idea. They, they, were, they were serious about this. <coughs> um, but when you get deep into it, you start to see um, Shem Angels and you get to see some other things that uh, you'll, you'll see oh. in Golden Dawns and other things. Yeah. yeah, they really want to initiate me when I go down and hang out with Jeff and, and meet Paul. But I'm I'm very stoked to see you know Jeff and some other friends. It's been 25 years, so um, and they're like, yeah, we'll just initiate. I'm like, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> it is. It's always interested me, and I'm such a lover of meditations on the tarot and uh, Valentin Tomberg's work. And he was, you know, quite an ardent Martinist. And uh, it's it's just a very interesting, uh, you know, estuary of the secret stream, you could say. It really is. Um, and then again, it's another quasi-Masonic thing, you know, kind of like Golden Dawn was founded. Um, and it's just another way that these people broke off and obviously weren't getting what they wanted from the regular Masonic lodges. And well, people, people, need, it, people like useful structures to study things, right? And, and you know, having spiritual experiences within structures is helpful. And that's one of the reasons I think the Masonic ethos carries along to so many different things like really so many things definitely you know and these are all yeah. egregores that we built i mean they're still around you know as long as well, people keep feeding that egregore it's going to keep being alive yeah and humans organize in certain patterns definitely. because yeah it's it's helpful so um yeah your your order's going along okay Orders are going along well. Uh, the Golden Dawn uh, out of Boston, Order Golden Dawn, is resuming meetings. In fact, I plan on flying out there uh, very soon to finish um, some initiation work. Is that Zelator or Theorcus? Zelator. Booyah, baby. Yeah. Trying to Unless I don't know the build the... Yeah, man. And yeah. Um, then I meet with the Martinist order that I belong to, their order Martinist Um with david as well so i'm looking forward to that uh, seeing old friends and reconnecting but while yeah, I'm there's in multiple austin, multiple multiple martinist orders in austin that's the weirdest part is i figure while i'm in austin and visiting them i might as well go uh, try to connect with uh, paul reyna and kind of see what he's up to uh, he seems like he's up to a lot and what are the people to follow well i'll give you jeff's number you just call him up and go for some barbecue only yeah 
Yeah, definitely do it. Send me a fucking postcard, eh? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got another buddy you could meet up with there too. Uh, my buddy Ryan, you should meet up with him. Um, definitely. I mean, honestly, um, Austin just felt like an extension of California, San Francisco. <laughs> it's a place. I mean, I definitely want to go see my friends there at some point. And uh, yeah, that would be good. Be good. I've never seen Texas. And I think, I think, I think it would be good to see Texas. Oh, you'd time. love it. Especially I Austin. Always, it's uh, great. I've always loved the cowboy boots and hats. What can I say, man? I've worn cowboy boots and hats on stage like so many well, fucking times, well, even Austin for metal isn't shows. Isn't as much, isn't as much cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. No, it's not. I know Austin's a totally fucking weird. Yeah, it's, which it's is fine. Beast. I can wear whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. Just walk around in a Nemesis. <laughs> Why not? No one would like, say what anything. Up? What up? <laughs> fucking like hate Ashbury. Now, what I loved it, about it up there is that everyone hangs out. If there's like this, I think it's called the Greenback or the Green Belt or something. It's like mm. this. Uh, it's like this river that runs through, and everyone just like hikes and finds a spot on that river. Beautiful. Yeah. It's it's just amazing because it's like the one watering hole that's there. Like where I'm from, there's all sorts of them, right in California. Yeah, so it was interesting yeah. to see how they do it. No. Cool. You guys have a drought now or something? Apparently, yeah. No, apparently the, the lakes are a little bit low. We got a little bit of a drought situation. Hmm. I don't know, dude. It's so political because the, the wineries aren't getting fines or being restricted, but apparently residentials that go over a certain amount are getting like $1,000 fines. Cthulhu for president. <laughs> well it was funny i looked at the list of things and i was like wineries aren't on this list what what the heck they're the ones i mean it, it, for those that aren't from california like north northern california everything is grapes like everything is grapes yeah 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 it's it's an interesting landscape it is no it's beautiful nonetheless but it's it's becoming more touristy and more expensive you know, this was kind of a hidden spot where I live here in West County, and now it's become like the desired real estate. So everything's going up. Yes, and you built your own house. Yes, we built our house from the ground up. Yeah, it's painful as well. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I have in-wall speakers. Yeah, yeah, you've quite the dungeon. People can see the three hours of us exploring it on my IGTVs on Instagrams. Um, yeah, that was fun. Oh, it was a total, total blast. I was probably yeah. two sheets of the wind, but it was great. We'll have to do it again. <laughs> after, after uh, you know, the wars end. Yeah, it, it'll end. It was, you know. I don't know, man. Do you think there's going to be like, uh, a war soon like you have a you have a, people might not know this but you have a podcast and it's politics so it's like heavy metal alt musicians and occultists talking politics that's novel okay so what's your podcast and what do you think the fuck's <laughs> gonna happen with china and taiwan oh man you know in the last year if anyone like tried to use any common sense they were literally met with like you're a racist, you're an idiot, you know. So, uh, you know, my least well, they were. And I, 
Well, they were, and and you know, and anyone that knows me knows that I hate and, politics. Like I literally hate politics because we all know they're money-fed people, right? Like they all say the right things in the right times, and often not so. But we and see we know. through all that, right? Yes, you know, and in the last year, people just literally sided on stuff. And so me, me and my middle, uh, you know, uh, lead singer, uh, Dashiell McKenzie, started a podcast and we started doing a few episodes and he has a similar, you know, take that I do on things. Um, obviously, we grew up with a lot of the same culture and media and that sort of thing, but we question a lot of the mainstream thinking. And it's, it's actually really been really good to see more people speaking up, both from the scientific community and just in general, you know, um, as especially what you're going through up there in Canada, ridiculous. It's it, beyond. Yeah. It's beyond drug. I think. I think it's just like it's just. A, this is just the transition between full, yeah, like autocratic surveillance state. Like it's just a. It's just a, there's going to be a bit of growing pains, but that's what's happening, and there's there's nothing really going to stop it. I mean, like I said. Trudeau, I said to you before we started, like Trudeau, Trudeau's like jailed his opposition. It's like that's what China and Russia does. They like that's what they like, tried to do. In the who US wants too. to run? Who's going to run against me? Okay, you're going to jail. It's like okay, who wants to run against me? No one, because like what the fuck? And that's why I stay away from those conversations <clears throat> because it puts you in a corner. It's like I'm not a Republican. I'm not a, not a Democrat, but I can see through all this bullshit. And if anyone who's awake in the U.S. or even maybe Canada, too, is that the CIA has been at work at this for so long, you know what I mean? And the only the only president we ever had in the U.S. that actually wanted to disband the CIA was uh, good old JFK. And you saw what happened. Yeah, why, why didn't what happened to him? Why didn't he finish that? Well, fucking slacker. The, yeah, exactly. Right. The day before he announced, you know what was going to happen, how he was going to disband the CIA, and the next day he died. He committed and, suicide. And we all know that the CIA runs all of the back end of the social media and everything we see and eat and drink. It's, it's ridiculous, you know? So we should just give up and be good little pod people. No, no, we should, we should, we should stand up, you know, and, 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 and I want to be very, you know, very uh, correct here that standing up does not mean being some right wing, you know, <laughs> nationalist weirdo. Uh, it does mean speaking up when you see freedoms being taken away um, and somebody has to do it, you know, and we're seeing more and more people um, coming into real like the whole cancel culture thing seems to be dying off i'm not sure if you've seen that but it's it seems to be waning off um i don't know my mom's still really into it whenever she sees something she doesn't like she just says cancel <laughs> like out loud into the air in front of her like cancel 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 yeah i'm like what the fuck and she's like i'm canceling it i'm like you're adorable you know, it, it, I mean, in all honesty, it might make people feel better to not see media that they don't like. But, 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 but the reality is, is that creative people have not been creative for the last year. Because why? 
You know what I mean? The whole idea of art, art in my generation was to test boundaries. I've written, I've written one song in the last year. And that's common. Most of my musician friends didn't even pick up their instruments. I have a handful of folks that actually did well with it and, you know, wrote some tracks, did some collaborations, but most people didn't do anything. They literally did nothing. And what they did is they just plugged in and, and I'm guilty at times too, of just scrolling and seeing what's there and what's, you know what I mean? It's sort of lucky if you had that luxury. I mean, yeah, you know, I wouldn't wish uh, scrambling on anybody. So if you had a chance to just sit back and maybe like, I sort of wish I could have spent the entire COVID time like playing all these video games I'd never played since 1990, like all this cool shit, like, but I had to bust ass just to survive. But it would have been pretty cool. Well, it was a new thing. Played all those yeah. things. Or like just done something totally absurd, or I, I don't know, who knows? Um, but it wasn't free time. It's, it's, um, it's it been like insanely extra hard work to uh, survive without like normal, normal labor. Well, and it completely changed the paradigm. I mean, yeah. you know, I work from home now. I mean, I used to, I was in an office forty hours a week <clears> normally. Are you ever going back to the office? Uh, according to my boss, probably not. You don't need it. Save on the rent, right? I mean, I'm not going to complain. I, I, I get, I get to have a clean house all the time, and I get to, <laughs> you know what I mean. I get to do my job from home. I don't have to dr- spend an hour a day driving back and forth. I'm not, you yeah. know, in a rush to leave work to go pick up my kids. It's yeah, changed no, it's everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, and plus, plus, your home is sick. Like, you, it, of course, you can like take a break and just grab one of these fucking amazing books from your library and dive in for a bit like yeah, shit, man. offices made no sense like people worked slower to just run out the clock like, you're, you're exactly right you're exactly right i think i found that you know working from home when i finally have dialed it in i'm probably twice as productive as a single day in an office place um, yeah. but it takes discipline it took a while to get there i mean it's hard when i was in when I was in grade school, I would, my mom would let me take a lot of what I called uh, learning days. Um, and this was a thing. So once every maybe few weeks, I would take a learning day and I'd stay home from school because I wanted to read a bunch of things and learn a bunch of things that I just wasn't, you know, it, it was school was so slow, you know, and that was that was a common thing in my in my life. Oh, that's totally cool. Yeah, it, it, make, it makes sense, right? Like, these uh these environments aren't really serving their purpose anymore especially the industrial uh origin of our education system is so clearly outdated now um just looking at the developments and what we've come to in understanding adult education in general we really need to take uh, like a whole new look at the entire system especially with what online options provide us to augment and complement other teaching formats no, I mean, if it, like, for example, when I went to high school, if you were an introvert and you weren't into being socially popular, the idea of getting through all your school in a year or two was actually available to you if you looked for it. You know, I, I know a few cats of mine that, that took junior college classes, you know, freshman year or, or sophomore year, and they were able to get graduate maybe two years before everyone else. Um, and I think online schooling has that ability. I mean, for again, for that introvert that doesn't want to talk with people but wants to learn, I mean, 
why why keep the whole class at this level when this kid obviously needs to skyrocket to the next level and and beyond Um, but social social stuff too i mean it's a big deal Yeah, when i'm talking about the the improvement of education i'm not necessarily talking about the ability for for people to get degrees faster or, or write tests faster or learn more faster i'm talking about a deeper level of qualitative understanding you know like we have more options now to look for interactive ways of learning that teach us more than just what you'd get from the memorization of rote and you know lectures yeah no i think that's the case too and when i think about my own education and i'd imagine you mirror it a lot is that it was both the school my will and a lot of awesome mentors along the way and I think that's the one thing that I don't think, you know, um, even when I was talking about a virtual environment, I don't think that really could be replaced. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we don't have to go fully online. That would be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, no, I think the kids are screaming to go back and hang out with each other too. I mean, but, but well, people, think, all of us, yeah. But if you think about it, that gen, the next generation, at least these, my kids, nine and, you know, even all the way to 17, their whole, they were prepared for this. You know, they were already chatting with their friends and playing video games online and content in their bedroom. Do you think some of them enjoyed it? I think a lot of them just thought it was kind of just a continuation of that. And in talking with a lot of parents, you know, there's so many parents that didn't do anything, you know, I mean, about, about screens and things like that, because they didn't, you know, they felt bad. (laughs) And when these kids weren't doing anything in school, like they were staring at the screen when the classes were there. And if I didn't follow up with my kids in their work, there's no way anything would have got done. So, yeah, I really don't think, um, you, I don't, yeah, I don't think our model of education, it would be, is in any way effective with screens at that age. I think it's completely pointless. What? Like, I think the medium itself negates or in, increases more, adds more harm than good of whatever the person's learning. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah. You know, there, well, I remember in uh, grade eight, um, we were complaining about, um, you know, you, I guess, I guess in grade eight, you're like 13 or so. And, you know, you got to get up and class started at 8 a.m. Like, so you had to be there at like 10 to 8. And we were just having a hard time focusing. And our teacher told us of a study she had read. She was an elderly lady, Mrs. Wilby, and that, um, that, that theorized that kids should hey, have been back at I, our age. I hate age. to cut us off, but I got to go because I can't continue. Oh, you got to go. Yeah um your yeah, wife's no. calling you yes definitely i'll tell you this theory this alternative theory of uh teenage education next time brother say hi to your wife give my love we'll do my man good talking to you peace homie All right, Ciao. Man. take care bye Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature, as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. 
Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk